Earthlings, and welcome to your weekly dose of newsy infotainment. It's Let's Be Treasonable, coming to you from various places in and around Los Angeles, including Treasonable Studios, with your cognitive dissidents on the panel this week. She is a comedian, world traveler, economist, and the host and creator of the Villains of History podcast. Always a pleasure to have her on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Kat Alvarado. Hello, how is everybody? You can't answer me. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, we were, we were talking uh, before the show uh, because we're, we're obviously we're practicing safe social distancing. So doing these podcasts by video call, you, you get a little bit of a glimpse into, uh, into everyone's homes and, uh, always, always just sort of interesting. I mean, you guys have seen mine cause you come here and record, but yeah, always nice to see you and, uh, good to see, good to see your abode. Which has a lot of books. It's a lot of books. Do you read? <laughs> she is, she is the reading type. Moving down the panel, we are also joined by comedian, actor, raconteur, juggler of words and objects. He is fresh off the release of his debut comedy album, A Little Off the Top of My Head. Ladies and gentlemen, sporting either a red nose or a craftily engineered tangerine, Mr. Jim Coughlin. Why, good morning, sir. Because good morning. Glad to be on the show. Good to have you. <laughs> was that a little loud? Probably. No, that was that was good. That was all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm really happy to be here. Well, thank you, thank you for joining. Also, uh, a lovely look into your abode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm a hoarder. What are you going to do? No, I was just going to. You know, it's I. I was I when I first saw the room uh i i was reminded of the headlines about the tornadoes that are supposed yeah. to hit texas this weekend you know what's great about zoom is <laughs> zoom you can add in a, a fake background easily so to amuse my family i've been having a very neat and tidy minimalist <laughs> bedroom in the background but for for this i can only do a blur <laughs> well, that's that's all right we we don't it's judge terrible. we don't judge it's you know it's pandemic be, time you got things to I do judge. there's there's I surviving judge. and prepping and things so welcome yeah. regardless uh as always we are joined by comedian scholar and the black voice of reason mr time and ship uh power to the people dave good to be back got white folks again I had some <laughs> black folks last week but now we're back to the white folks so, hey well, Good you know, it's, we, and my fellow uh, <laughs> across the water, Mr. Jim Coughlin, from across the there, the brother from another mother, right across the river. Hey, good to see him. Mississippi, here we are. That's right, <laughs> and the Catwoman. There she is. Ooh. It is. It is a beautiful day in Los Angeles. It really is. It's, uh, you know, I've been I've been thinking a lot lately because really the past three weeks we've we've had two weeks of crap weather. And for anyone who lives in L.A., you already know, but if you don't live here, you may have heard rumors. When it rains in Los Angeles, people are really reluctant to leave their houses. So I, I honestly credit the, the bad weather with the, the low numbers. It's, it's made it so much easier for people in L.A. To, to socially distance because it's raining. You're not going into the office. You open the door, you see the gray, you see the rain, and it's like, eh, 
I'm I'm just going to stay in anyway. You know, you know one thing. So with the the stay at home, you know everybody's driving less, so that should be cleaning the skies. Yeah. But we've had so much rain that it's hard to know where we'd be if if there had been no rain. You know how much cleaner the skies would be. Well, actually, they did already. say that the air the air has been cleaner, but the accidents have went up because they're driving faster. Right. And it's like dudes are doing mm-hmm. 120 miles an hour and they're like just doing spin outs and going over the side and everything. Oh, look, the lane is free. We can speed as fast as we want. No, and you're right. going to die faster now. Well, <laughs> it's easy. It's so easy to get going fast. I was driving, where was I going? I don't know, somewhere over the hill like two weeks ago. And, uh, because I have, I I was gonna pick something up from a friend's house that I had left there previously, and they were in like a Brentwood area, um, and so I so I was driving over the hill in the 405, and um, all of a sudden I'm like, I am going 95 miles an hour. What? <laughs> How did I get here? I don't drive this fast. Right. I was just kind of keeping the pace of traffic, and the pace of traffic was fucking fast. <laughs> yeah, right. it's it's well, amazing. I, 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 I think that's from never having to self-regulate, you know, <laughs> you just, you're always going as fast as you can and that's not very fast normally, right? Yeah. So you don't have to pay attention. You don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of not paying attention, I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, me, I'm, I'm Dr. David Robinson. I'm your Vin Scully for the impending apocalypse and hopefully for the current one. We do have a lot to talk about in addition to the weather in Los Angeles and around the country. But first, uh, we are going to pause for a brief message from our sponsor, Community Spread. <laughs> it's morning in America, and people are waking up to the great taste of Community Spread. I kind of want toast, but it can be so boring. Butter, margarine, jams, jellies. I want something new. Here, try this. It's community spread. But you've already taken a bite out of it. What are you, smooth down there? Try it. Whoa, that's sick. But what's in it? What's in community spread? We're still waiting for the CDC to let us know. Well, it's deli- Wait, did he just say the CDC? That's right. Community spread. Available at... Actually, I don't know where I got it. No, but seriously, back to that CDC thing. And it's not just for toast. Pancakes, waffles, sandwiches. Why, there's no telling where it'll show up. Community spread isn't recommended for older adults or people with chronic health conditions. Stop using community spread if you've experienced difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, bluish lips or face, new confusion, or an inability to arouse. Community spread. From the folks who brought you, I can't believe I'm not better. It's the toast-topping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and there's nothing you can do about it. Thank you uh, to Kat Alvarado, uh, who is with us today, and Connor McIntyre for providing the uh, additional voices on that. And uh, thanks to our sponsor, Community Spread. So <laughs> it, it turns out there is something you can do about it. And here in Los Angeles, we've, you know, we've been doing, I think, a pretty good job so far. But as of yesterday... It is mandatory in Los Angeles if you work in what has been deemed an essential business or if you are a customer in one of these essential businesses, you have to wear a mask. If you are a customer and you go, they do have the right to refuse entry service, what have you. So um, L.A., 
Yeah, well, at my job, I my supervisor, I walk in on Wednesday night, and he's wearing a mask. He says, yeah, I told you once they made it mandatory. I was like, dude, why does someone have to make you do something when you can see that there is a problem and people are <laughs> dropping dead? What are you, a jackass? But you're just like a typical management. I mean, he just wasn't buying it. But now that they, because the job told him to wear one, and it's mandatory, now he'll put a mask on. And he looked like, you know, so, yeah, I'm wearing it now. And I said, that's really stupid. I mean, and that's the ignorance in our society, that people do not believe that this shit is real. People also don't trust themselves. I, I think people are, are, they undermine their own intelligence. So even if their instinct is saying, wear the masks, they're like, well, I don't want to be the idiot who's wrong. So I'm going to wait till the authorities say it because the authorities are probably right. So I think there's a little bit of that at play. You know, that, that shows you the importance of leadership when you have somebody like Trump saying, you know, they say you should uh, wear a mask. You know, it's not it's voluntary and I'm not going to wear a mask. And it's like, yeah, you just increase the number of people who aren't going to wear a mask who are then going to die as a result. Well, which you is know, his base. I mean, but, if his base is dumb enough to follow him, then, yeah, they're the ones that's going to do it. Or those other states that have said, you know, I'm not going to make these people be on mandatory lockdown. They want to come out, let them, you know, it's like, you know, and that's, I just, that's the arrogance of our society and the ignorance of our society. That's the way to think. It just shows how bad of a, like you're saying, Jim, he's just a terrible leader because a good leader, even if that leader knew that, okay, I'm not going to be exposed because everybody around me is being tested and quarantined and there's no way, let's say there's 0% of a way that I as the president would get coronavirus, I would still publicly wear the mask because I would know as a leader, I need to make sure that my flock is following me and doing the right thing. And so I have to show them, I have to model the proper behavior because that's part of what leadership is. You know, I at work, I have a team that works under me. When we have a project that is like really a lot of grunt work, I'll take a piece of that and go, I'm going to also do this. So don't feel like you're alone in it or that it's below you because I'm doing it too. But that's I, called as, good management. That's, that's mm-hmm. what that is. That's called good management. They've, they've written many books on good management, how to get your people to come to work and everything, how to put your trust in your people to do the job. That's what good management does. And that's what you're doing. And Trump's not doing that. No. Well, you know, because it's, it's kind of like socialism a little bit, you know, if, if the elite class, uh, is, is subject to the same restrictions as the plebeians, that's that smells like socialism to me can't have that and honestly you know i mean i live in la so we're allowed to be a little bit judgmental here but having lived a good chunk of my life in the midwest and uh, around the types of folks that are very likely trump supporters pandemic or no i think their lives would greatly benefit uh if they wore masks more often well the governor of illinois said that you bring up chicago He's definitely on track to, you know, stressing all of that. I mean, he's you got some governors out there who you can applaud and say, hey, these guys are on it. I mean, Governor Cuomo, man, that guy's got, you know, he's standing in the midst of the storm and he's hanging out. You know, and they may not like Newsom, but Newsom is pushing. Look at Garcetti. Garcetti's telling folks and he's talking to him in the right tone, not yelling and screaming or whatever. He's not. He's trying to get people to come together. 
He's and not talking about his TV ratings. I'm excited, actually, for 2024's presidential election because we're going to have some great leaders who have been tested during this fire, if you will. The, you know, they, they're really we're going to have some awesome people to choose from. And you know, Gavin Newsom is going to run in 2024. I mean, him calling California a nation state, that's like the biggest hint ever. And then on top of it, he's going, F you Trump, F you Republicans. California is going to provide the other states with ventilators. And California is going to help everybody. That's him stepping up and kind of going, yeah, I'm presidential. I'm already presidenting better than y'all. Now, yeah. is that based on the assumption that Biden wins but only runs for one term? Or um, yes, and all a little bit yes, a little bit also that Trump wins. Well, I think yeah. also just the assumption that we're going to have an election in 2024 is I I admire your optimism. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have a friend who is right about too many things. Like, do you ever have that friend who's just always right? I hate that. Um, I, I, and he's you're that friend, the man bun. He's just, huh? Wait, what? Wait, you're saying that someone who's always right also sports a man bun? <laughs> right? I know. Because, he's a yoga teacher. Mm. Um, but actually a very smart person. And yeah, he's right about everything. He's been right about the coronavirus from the beginning, from January. He's like, this is going to be big. This is going to change everything. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And like everything he said has come true. And he's going, you know, this is the last election we're going to have. <laughs> well, Shut it's, the fuck up, dude. <laughs> you know, I, it's, I'm actually a little concerned after what we saw this week in Wisconsin, because, you know, it, it feels like, over the last, I mean, it, it's been longer, but especially over the last 15 years, the Republicans have really been sort of making voter suppression into an art. And this week, as we saw in Wisconsin, they're, they're now using the coronavirus as a tool for voter suppression, saying, no, nah, you know, if, if you really feel like you have to vote, you you go out and get sick. And they aren't saying that verbatim. But when when the Secretary of State of Wisconsin is doing an interview in like full PPE with a mask and and a doctor's gown and and gloves, which if you ask me, that seems like a total waste of PPE. Yeah, you know me, but he's like fully geared up and saying, oh, no, it's totally safe out there. It's fine for everyone to go out. And it's like, really? Then uh, why don't you why don't you just give me that mask and those gloves and you go out and you work the lines. You go talk to people. I don't know. Could it be argued, though, that, you know, if it's safe enough to go get groceries and your pharmaceuticals from a pharmacy, uh, then if you wear your PPE, your mask, your gloves, and so on, maybe a head covering even, you can go vote the same way you go to the grocery store. You know, what it, it you can have social distancing at the polls and go exercise your democratic right to vote. If you are super high risk, maybe you stay home. I think t- making these elections happen this way is ironically going to hurt Republicans because the people who need to stay home and who are at most risk are older folks who tend to vote Republican. Now, the question is, will millennials, will the young people also stay home because they're scared to go out? No, I think they're, they're going to stay home so. because they're upset about Bernie, but we're going to talk about that more later. But, you know, they did, it did acknowledge that the mail-in, you know, Utah, 
Oregon have all done. They used to do. They were doing. They do mailings all the time. And that was Trump who was stating, well, you know, Republicans will lose if you get to the point where everyone's mailing in, you know. But. And, and, but 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 mail-in used to be, you know, an older person thing and tended to be more Republican. I think it, it, they used to kind of calculate that the mail-in votes would tend to be more conservative. But um, And that's what, uh, that's what the, the, the reporters got him on. They also stated, said, where's your proof? You know, what, yeah. are, you, what are you basing this on? Jim Acosta went after him. And he could not, well, we're going to investigate. Well, you keep investigating. Well, where, where's your proof? He doesn't have it. Just like you said, Jim, you've yeah. had more, uh, uh, you know, older Republicans. That's how they voted for many years. They mailed in. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, well, I, I think just, you know, knowing how Trump and his branch of the Republican Party has been operating for the past few years you know that when they accuse someone of something else, take abortion, for instance, you know, when the the Democrats in the House put language in the relief bill to make sure that abortions, you know, were still kept safe and the Republicans were like, oh, well, no, they're trying to politicize this. They're trying to bring in unassociated issues. And now you're seeing in Texas and a variety of other states where they're trying to shut down abortion providers saying that, you know, it's it's not it's a non-essential medical <laughs> service. And I, you know, I, I'm I am not someone who is likely to give birth anytime uh, in this lifetime. But I do know that it tends to be a time-sensitive issue. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, yeah. You can't just hold the baby in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, you have a right to choose not to bring a baby in during a pandemic where it could die, where uh, you you have no idea of any kind of certainty. It's economic collapse. I mean, I, I would think you want to bring a baby into this world when everything is peachy keen um, as much as you can control it. So, and, and women have the right to choose to do that. Now, a lot of people would call that genocide. Uh, I call those people insane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I don't, you know, I was, I was under the impression that we still lived in uh, a country with a constitution and where there was a legal decision uh, saying that abortion is legal nationwide. Crazy, silly me. I can't wait to me. talk about millennials not voting. Are we? When are we going to get to that topic? Because I feel like this <laughs> takes me there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, go ahead. Be uh, just to sort of introduce the uh, the segment. It's I segment really i've been seeing the hashtag popping up uh never trump never biden and uh it's it's leftovers from the 2016 election these these people still don't understand i really want to make a t-shirt or maybe just get it printed on masks uh that that gender may not be binary but america's political system is and if you're not voting for, you know, presuming because we haven't had a convention yet, we we still don't know that we're going to have an election uh, based on on Republican efforts. But presuming that the 2020 election uh, is going to be Trump for the Republicans, Biden for the Democrats, there is no other viable choice. There may be other people who run from third parties. There may be uh, write-in candidates. 
America's political system is binary. There are two parties, one of whom is going to take the office. So if you're not voting for one of them, you are effectively supporting the other one. And, you know, one of, one of the things that we talk about on this show a lot is how, you know, you can't call Trump supporters stupid. Well, we do because they are. But I understand the, the idea that you need to speak to someone in effectively their language in order to try and persuade them and to, to get them to understand your point of view. So I, I want to go into this whole thing by saying that because it's largely millennials, there are definitely, you know, people across the age spectrum who are never Biden, never Trump people. But I, I think it's largely millennials from what I've been seeing. Small sample, social media, I get it, you know, so caveat on that. But is it not like the utmost sense of privilege, which these people apparently hate, to, to say that, you know, fuck women and abortion rights, fuck minorities and their rights. I am so privileged that I am not going to vote for Joe Biden. So I'm going to vote for a third party candidate because my protest is so much more important than the rights of these people who I claim to care about every other day. Yeah, I, I we have a mutual friend, comedian, maybe you're thinking of, I don't know. And uh, apparently since 1996, he claims he's never voted for a candidate unless they supported universal health care which means he's never voted for a Democrat or Republican, obviously. And it's like, how can you not see that something like, oh, I don't know, the Affordable Care Act leads to the possibility, at least, of universal health care much better than the opposite person winning? Well, or that voting for a Democrat is going to result in judges being placed on the bench who aren't opposed to, you know, any climate change legislation, uh, who aren't opposed, you know, to abortion being safe and legal, uh, you know, who aren't opposed yeah, they, to... They really don't get the scope of the federal government and how it's not just about the one person at the top. It's about all of the people who they appoint and hire throughout, uh, you know, uh, oh gosh, it just makes me so mad. Like it's, there are judges that are going to be like, let's just break it down into all the groups this will affect okay we already spoke about women and abortion rights right there's gonna it's that solely they're gonna fill the the government the judicial system and supreme court with people who will slowly erode roe versus wade until finally it's overturned and we go back to a time where women have to use wire hangers as birth control right put that aside then we're looking, let's look at um, the African-American community. Okay, we know that the con more conservative judges tend to be kind of racist. They <gasps> tend to give longer terms for lesser crimes to black people versus the ones that they give to white people. So if you're a person who's upset, who is uh, passionate about prison reform, who's passionate about equal rights uh, for you know uh, people of color then you need to worry about who gets appointed as judges because every one of those judges is going to put another black man in jail for something the revolution that... revolution shall wouldn't. not be televised. <laughs> 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 will not be televised. 
speak girl preach you're just gonna see that more black men in, in prisons that maybe shouldn't be in prison right and and they're gonna be given light punishment you know maybe house arrest to the same crime that they put a black man in jail for to a white guy and now we know what house arrest is like we're all getting to live like pablo escobar <laughs> right now except for he got more hookers so <laughs> and and a snazzy ankle bracelet <laughs> but then, you know yeah i mean even, even if Mm-hmm. Even if you're like a one issue person, let's say it's universal health coverage, I'm only going to vote. Well, okay, then you finally, after 40 years, get your candidate in, and then immediately his uh, new law is overturned by the nine conservative judges on the Supreme <laughs> Court because you never voted for a Democrat, you fucking moron. <laughs> it's a slow slow revolution and that's just how yeah. revolutions work did you know that the women who started the women's suffrage movement for those who don't know what suffrage is that's the women's right to vote the women who started it now? did not live to see or vote as women because that is how long it took and we need to know and understand that universal health care is just as big of a fight as the women's right to vote it's so well, big it's such a culture shift and well, we might they- not see it in what our they've life. done, though, if you look at history, they've they've lumped everything together in civil rights, the voting, everything, because it, they figure well, we'll just put them all together. Well, actually, you can't do that because even even you know we are there right now. They're checking out. If you look at uh, the coronavirus, they're trying to find out. Well, let's look at the disparity among Latino people, Black people. You know who's getting it. You know, uh, what's their age? And and some of them, the CDC hasn't done a very good job of that, but, but New York has. They're finding out that, yes, there are racial issues within our medical system that this has went on for years, but now this virus is really going to expose all of those things. And it comes down also, like you said, civil rights has always been a part of all of this, and it's really being exposed right here and now. And, and it's going to... There's something that they're stating that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, Dr. Farrar came out and said, you know, this is way beyond me. She said, this shit's been going. She didn't say shit, but she said, this has been going on <laughs> for, for history. And now it's right in your face. And yeah. you're going to have to deal with it. And if you care about universal health care, going back to the judicial thing, that's exactly how they've been attacking the Affordable Care Act is slowly taking apart judicial decision by judicial decision, mm-hmm. bit by bit, brick by brick. And if we don't get those judges in there by putting Biden in, then it doesn't matter what we do in 2024 if we do finally get our perfect progressive candidate who gives us overall because it's going to last two years and then it's going to go away. Uh, and all these racial disparities that we're talking about that are a result of our existing healthcare system are still going to be there because you didn't vote for a Democrat in 2020. And then let's talk about Latino people. I'm a Latina. I should talk about them. (laughs) Um, There's everything that's going on with immigrants' rights, with also the travel bans affecting families who are Middle Eastern. Um, All these laws and decrees that Trump does, we're able to stop them or stop some of them partway through and slow them down because we're able to sue and protest them. And the Ninth Circuit, which is the more liberal circuit, is able to say, no, mm -mm, 
not so fast, stop it. But if we don't have that ninth circuit and things can just smoothly flow, then there is no more check on the executive branch. And you're going to see possibly much worse than the existing situation for immigrants. Yes. Yeah, but Obama deported so many people. Uh, I, I basically, I, I, I think there, there are two things that these Bernie bro types need to understand. You know, there's the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. They can't even see the trees for the root systems uh, because <laughs> their heads are so far underground. They don't even recognize that there is a forest all around them, that they are part of. And you need to understand that it is not an all or nothing approach that isn't going to get you anywhere and it's it's not going to happen change is as we've been saying here change is incremental it happens well, little by little if they do want to come together i mean cuz remember bernie was an independent he wasn't a democrat still is uh, still yeah, is still yeah still I mean, an independent yeah. his caucus is <laughs> with the democrats yeah but he he knows that you know, and as he's trying to tell to his base, look, you guys, we got to come together. The main thing is to get rid of Trump. So before you can get the things you want, we got to get this asshole out. So we have to join forces with the Democrat to get this to get him out first before you can get anything done. He's, Honestly, he's yeah, go. no, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, it's, I I don't want to keep re-arguing over 2016, but I, I think it is extremely relevant to ask these people, do you honestly, honestly think that we would be in the same boat we're in right now with the pandemic and everything else around it all, you know, with the voting in Wisconsin and the things and the people if Hillary Clinton had been elected and if they say, yes, they honestly would forget about it. They're lot, well, you know, they are, they are as, they're as in, yeah, I mean, you know, no, there is in, like asking, you know, is Hillary Clinton a criminal? And the, he, he kept saying, lock her up, lock her up. And who did we end up having as the criminal? He's the criminal. He's yeah. the one screaming and they, people didn't see it. But the guy's telling you who he is. Here's here's also another thing is they're going, okay, well, Biden's a rapist. I had this whole debate. Biden's a rapist and he touches women and Trump's a rapist and he touches women. I don't want to choose between two rapists. First of all, you know, it was just like one accuser for Biden and like 15 for Trump. Let's let's just put that out there that that makes a difference. Second of all, I've never even heard the rep. I don't know what the one is about Biden. I don't know how credible it is. You know, uh, Not very, okay. uh, according so, to a couple articles I've read. <laughs> the only people I've heard talk about it are Bernie supporters. And so I'm like, oh, maybe that's uh, not the most credible source. <laughs> um, okay. The the accusation against Biden, I read a, a good oh, wow. editorial about how there's a reason why most of the mainstream media didn't pick up on it. And that's because her um, story... I mean, of course, people don't come out with these things, but but her story was very different when she first accused him of just like, I don't know if it was like hugging or whatever. And now it's it's, you know, inserting oh, fingers this, into her in a hallway. Is it the same woman who said that he smelled her hair from behind? She's now saying uh, it's that he different. He, okay. he smelled a lot of women's hair. That's his go to. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not that one. I don't think. Yeah. Well, but, but it was just a much lesser accusation. Yeah. So but. okay, here's here is the thing I said to the girl who brought that up, and you know, I'm I'm a I really do believe that we have to take women's uh, accusations and things seriously. We do. Yeah. But here's the situation we're in. Because she was saying, oh, they're both incompetent and they're both rapists. The difference here that we really need to latch onto and understand is that Trump is an authoritarian who does not read things. And he is someone who only surrounds himself with loyalists, not experts. That's a behavior we have not seen from Biden. And the the consequence of him surrounding himself with loyalists is things like this pandemic, because he had the right paperwork and the right everything in front of him, the right reports that would have told him everything he needed to know back in November and December about coronavirus. He did not look at them. And the people who were bringing it up, including Peter Navarro, who is one of his economic advisors, He's also a social scientist, so we need to listen to Navarro on on medical issues, as he argued this week. He is somebody who who does sometimes speak truth to power, and while he mostly is a Trump loyalist, this was one of the instances where Peter Navarro goes, hey, Trump, you need to listen to this thing about the virus because it could really impact the economy. This is serious, and the loyalists around Trump scuttled him out of the office and said, why don't you shut up now? We don't want to listen to you. And but wh- that's which the problem. Ge- I mean, which, I mean, general, which general said that if you only have people who are yes men around you, you're going to get impeached? Who said that? Was that uh, General Masters Electric? Or? Who? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was Masters or Master. one of them or Kelly said that you're going to get, they told him he was going to get impeached because like she's saying, you have nothing but people around you who are just, you know, they're yes people. Here's a guy who told you what was coming. Who well, told even, you everything was going to happen. And you, you, you totally, oh, I don't, I don't remember that. Even when they were able to get the message to him, you know, Alex Azar, the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, was telling him about the hazards posed by the coronavirus before this thing blew up. And Trump changed the topic to, so uh, the vaping, when are we getting the flavored vapes back? Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, it's, I, be, I mean, Trump would be a terrible president <laughs> if he was still a Democrat, but had these characteristics. You know, he can only take compliments. And even the, the uh, Fauci and Burks clearly are playing a certain game of not contradicting him uh too much and uh, let him shut them up at times you know uh somebody asked fauci a question and he just trump wouldn't let them answer he, you know, he's like, already a- he, he's already answered that yeah it was about yeah. the uh yeah, hydroxychloroquine they're really walking on eggshells to continue yeah. to have their voices heard. And, and that's those are good people. Then there's all the bad people. So, yeah, even even um, when somebody has information that he should act upon, you got to, uh, you know, kowtow. Yeah, but you know well, what? I mean, and I, I, it's easy to it's easy to say this as, you know, someone who's you know not currently working because of the pandemic. But honestly, I I think if if I were Dr. Fauci. I would go full tilt, like just fuck this noise. We are getting the truth out there. We are talking about, you know, 
how dangerous this is. And when you get fired by Trump for speaking the truth about the virus, that is when you are you are untethered, unchained, as Van Halen might sing. You know, you hit the ground running and you go full tilt boogie. You go, this is why I got fired, because I was speaking the truth and this is what we need to do. And because, you know, they were they were talking on uh, uh, Bill Maher last night. He was talking to Al Gore and also Ian Bremmer. But they were talking about how, in a way, thank God for Trump's laziness and his ego, because any competent politician would have used this whole crisis to seize power in a way that would basically bring on the dictatorship that we've been warning people about for four years. But Trump is too lazy. He doesn't want to do the work. And so rather than grabbing all the power that's available, he's leaving it up to the states. Now, while this is, you know, fucking shit up in places like Wisconsin and in Kansas, where this week, you know, the, we, we've got states like Wisconsin and Kansas, North Carolina, where you have a Democratic governor, but because of gerrymandering and other voter suppression tactics, you still have a Republican legislature. So, like in Kansas this week, the Democratic governor put everyone on lockdown and said, you know, we need to stop the spread of this, so we need everyone to stay home. And the Republican legislature said, yeah, fuck that, Easter Sunday, bitch, and they made a religious exemption. So people are going to be, you know, massing in the churches tomorrow, and you know, as we've said the past few weeks, if this was a problem that only affected the stupid people, I'd be fine with it. I think this would be wonderful. Yes, let all the Republicans with the coronavirus go to Mar-a-Lago and hang out. Let them all go to church and and spread the virus and kill each other. It would be, it would, you think the air is clean now. Man, oh man, it would be awesome. But the problem is that these people go to these you know, Republican gatherings or religious gatherings and they get the virus and then they come out into the public and they, they shop at the same stores that we do. And, you know, they get takeout from the same restaurants that we do. They deal with the same delivery people we do. So the problem is that while they may all be getting the virus and giving it to each other, then they come out into the real world and give it to humans. And that's a problem. Yeah. To, to me, the, the map of the coronavirus just shows you how freaking connected we all are. You know, I mean, I don't know anybody in Wuhan. And this thing has connected me to every country, every religion, every group. You know, you see red dots around the world. And so, yeah, it, it would be nice if they could just go to their Easter church services and then die. But, <laughs> but that's not you know, how it works. That's not yeah. how it works. And, um, and here's the thing. Going well, back to the Biden versus Trump thing, um, you know, right, Trump won't listen to the experts. And so people are going to die. I really believe that Biden would not 
push people out just because they disagree with him. I think Biden would hire experts around him who are at least competent in their specific field and let them do their job. So it doesn't matter if he's half senile, as long as he doesn't stop experts for doing their job because they were a little bit rude to him one time, you know? And I want to get into one more thing, and I'm sorry for like monopolizing the mic, whatever, the speaking time, but a friend of mine, um, another comedian, Brendan Woodruff, I don't know if you guys know him, but look him up. He's very smart. Uh, A lot of political stuff, too. He said something about voting for the lesser of two evils, and I thought it was really articulate, and I would love to read it to you guys. Please do. I saw this this morning. He said, Biden may be the lesser of two evils. Voting for the lesser of two evils isn't a burden. It's a fucking moral duty. You have a duty to make the choice that will lead to less evil. Inaction or making a third choice to protect your own sense of moral purity only increases the chances that the more evil candidate wins. Even if two unrepentant serial murders are running, if one promises concentration camps and one doesn't, I'll vote for the serial murder that doesn't. I'll hate it, and I won't shut up about how both are serial murderers, but I will do it because it'll make the number of concentration camps smaller. We live in a dark world, and these are the cards we have been dealt. And I know a lot of people feel like Bernie was this country's last hope for positive change. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'll tell you one thing. If Trump wins re-election, it definitely will be. Very good. You know, it's it's so yep. basic in a way. I mean, everything he said is true. And there's not no way you can really logically argue that it's wrong to vote for serial killers. It's like... Yeah, you want fewer concentration camps. That's all. That's all the. the I mean, it's so yeah. basic. Yeah. We are suffering because somebody felt really good about their vote for Jill Stein. You know. Yeah, it's you know a couple of weeks ago because through through the the lockdown and everything, you know, we find different ways to to make money, and I've been doing you know some remote tech support because I can. I had to explain to someone what a clamp is and and how a clamp works and it it was much like trying to explain to a Bernie bro why Biden and Trump aren't exactly the same quote unquote it it's like you you never think about how you would explain a clamp because it's a, it's a clamp it's yeah. there's there's a thing that screws and makes it tighter and there's a thing that goes around a thing so you put the thing that goes around the thing and then screw the thing so it gets tighter I mean, and then it clamps on that's why it's called a clamp uh n- mm, figuratively or <laughs> no physically <laughs> no okay no well yeah, definitely it, it was, the only closest was, thing that they have in common is their age that's it I mean, yeah. you're talking someone that worked with Obama. He's got a wife who's a professor of, of psychology. I mean, the guy has people around him. They've been down this road before. If you actually believe that Biden would be worse than Trump, something's wrong with you. Trump, has a, his character, everything has been exposed about him. He's showing you his poor leadership. You, you can't be that damn... And, and talking about you know, uh, uh, medical for all and everything. 
You might not get completely what Bernie had, but you're going to get close to it. You're going to get. Or at the very least, closer. Closer. You're right. Closer to what Bernie had, especially with the school system. And what this, I don't know how you guys see things, but I mean, this pandemic has opened up uh, to a lot of things that will now be that we're going to have to take care of because we got a big mess to clean up once Biden does win. And I believe he will win because of what this pandemic has exposed about Trump. And this is the reason why he will win. And even with Bernie bros can do whatever the hell they want. But if they want something, this is about as close as you're going to get it. You better vote for, uh, for Biden. And this is uh, this is going to be a big mess to clean up. But I think it's, it's going to be for the better. It's kind of like when Obama had to come in and take over uh, Bush's shit. He had three wars and, and a bad economy. By the time he left, things were picking up. So Trump just basically rode that wave. But this exposed him. So now, you know, Biden gets to come in. We bring in the right people and let's clean it up and get us back on track. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but it's definitely going to be for the better. Well, like, you know, Timon, you started uh, by saying really the only thing that that Biden and Trump have in common is their age. And yeah, they are they are roughly the same age, but only one of them is a grown up. And I think, you know, we need to vote for the grown up. What it comes down to is, you know, the the whole issue of I want to vote for someone who I, I could have a beer with. And I, you know, well, that's, that's a lovely thought. I, I would rather vote for the smart person, vote for the person who I think well, who can actually, where were they, where you had to be an idiot to be president. Why, 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 why are we so the Bush family people who had a, who had education? I mean, don't you want well, smart because people in office? No, smart people are elitists. And I, I need yeah, someone make, who's just like me, me feel dumb ignorant. Cause I, I didn't study when I was in sixth grade or ninth grade. And so I like the people that are like me. Um, I, I like that, that I know Bush was the answer to the question people were asked, you know, which of these candidates would you want to have a beer with? And what was funny about that is Bush is sober. He doesn't drink alcohol. Oh, wow. That's but his daughters are alcoholics. <laughs> uh, they had some fun. They were, I like his daughters. You lay the, you stay away from them. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, getting getting back to the uh, to the the Sanders Biden issue, there was a uh, there was a great editorial in the Chicago Tribune titled uh, "The Last Thing Donald Trump Wants Is for Bernie Sanders to Endorse Joe Biden." That's why it needs to happen. And honestly, I think you know it needs to be done sooner than later because if Bernie endorses Biden. You have that to use when you're having these pointless arguments with the Bernie bros. It's like, well, if, you know, if defeating Trump isn't the most important thing, then why did Bernie endorse Joe Biden? And, you know, I said last week and I still I still agree and, you know, support the the Sanders strategy of staying on the ballot in in the upcoming primaries if they happen in order to get as many delegates as he can so he has more sway on the party platform if and when there is a convention. So I understand that. But he needs to endorse Biden ASAP because this this whole argument of, uh, you know, never, never Biden, never Trump, 
is absolutely ridiculous. It's, you know, it's, it's effectively the political equivalent of never err, never suffocate. And it's like, yeah. well, and I, no. I, I want to add that, like, I, I think that it's just going to be a little bit of time for them to un, like really marinate on what happened with Bernie. They've had four years to marinate that on they it. were wrong because a lot of them were saying, huh? They've had four years to marinate on it. They are not going to come to that conclusion. Well, they've had this hope and this idea that the reason why Hillary lost isn't that Bernie Sanders supporters sat it out. It's that she didn't appeal enough to the left and that she didn't awaken the base. And so the base didn't show up for her. And that's why. And... They, that's why they were so passionate about Bernie this time around. They felt that he was going to awaken the base and they would show up and then they would be able to accomplish everything they wanted. And I was arguing this whole time, no, the reason we need Biden is because we want to get those swing voters. And they were going, swing voters don't exist. They're not really real. It's all about getting more people further to the left and getting those young people to show up. And Bernie has the principles that are going to do that. And so there was that whole debate of who of us is right. Is it about the swing voters or is it about the base? And now we see it is about the swing voters and not the base because those base people had the opportunity to show up. Those millennials had the opportunity to go and vote for Bernie and they didn't. That is why he lost. It's not the DNC's fault. There is plenty of publicity for Bernie. They're always like, oh, he didn't get enough news time. No, no. Everybody who doesn't live under a rock knows about Bernie, knows what he stands for. I don't care what CNN did or didn't do. They like shifted a headline here or there, didn't give him enough airtime. No, it, if you are alive, you know about Bernie and you know about fucking Biden, right? And those kids did not show up. End of the story. But you know what did happen? And I have this from a friend who... um He's helping a lot with uh, local elections over in Oklahoma. And so he's been talking to a lot of voters over there, many of whom are moderate Republicans. He said, and I haven't read about this in any articles, but take it from him, who's there firsthand talking to people. A fair number of moderate Republicans registered as Democrats so that they could vote in the primaries this year, so that they could vote for Biden. So that whole argument, swing voters versus base, we have the answer. It is about those moderates on the other side. And they did come over and show up and they voted for Biden. They're the reason why he got elected. And also they need to understand Biden is blue collar. He's from Delaware. He gets it. He's not some he wasn't, you know, like Trump. This guy is blue collar. People relate to him. Relation is very, very important. You can say he screws up on a few words and, oh, he hugged a little bit too long or whatever. He wasn't grabbing anybody between their legs or any of that type of stuff. Which is a shame is because not. when you're a star, apparently you can do that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> smell their hair. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, but I'm just saying he's blue collar and people, a lot of people in those little rural areas and everything, especially in Philly and all, you know, they relate to him and they like him. And I wouldn't be surprised they did switch over to uh, Democrats. So, so that that you know percentage of of Bernie supporters that you know may sit out the election, you know they're kind of useless deadweight people anyway, and they are people who wouldn't have voted, f you know, in in twenty twelve or two thousand eight, whatever. 
And they're just, they're irrational. So there's only so much you can do with them. You know, I go back to the 2016. One of the things they were upset about was uh, in Iowa, when you have the caucus and you have uh, you have a, a tie between two candidates and you have uh, an uneven amount of, of uh, delegates, then you flip a coin to decide that spare delegate. And the story came out, and I know I'm going back four years, but, but the story came out that uh, Hillary had won all these coin tosses and it was an outrage. And it's like, so you have to believe that she had either gotten people to lie about the coin tosses or she had put in double-headed coins <laughs> at all of the, uh, you know, there's no rational explanation for that story. And that story turned out to not be true. It was, you know, he won some, she won some. There's it no was basically a coin flip. one of them, you know, won, <laughs> won too many coin tosses. But if you're willing to, to grab onto that, it's like, she cheated with the coin toss. It's like, that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. And you are as fucking dumb as these let goddamn me, jump on that. over here. Let me jump on that and add some, yeah. my commentary, uh, you know, after doing my research, I, I've always been fascinated with the communist movement and in the far left socialist movement throughout the world. And I think we really underestimate the power of that movement. It's kind of like a whispering evil, um, or you might call it a, a good, <laughs> a good force. I don't know. Depends on where you stand. Um, I think the really extreme part, you know, the, the toxic Lenin part of it is something that is bad. And it still exists in many parts of the world, especially deep in Latin America. And those people who are still very much entrenched in those extreme ideologies still to this day are making propaganda and have plans for messaging and how to influence things. And it's not some, I'm not a tinfoil hat wearing person. I am a Latin American who is aware of a lot of Latin American politics. I keep up with what's going on in Venezuela and, and El Salvador, Nicaragua and beyond. And, and I have gone to little town halls that local Nicaraguan community people have. And we have real-ass communists who show up. They're not imaginary communists from a textbook. They're real-ass old men who we're in there talking about how we can get democracy going. And they'll go, why are you even talking to the bankers? <laughs> and yeah. then they'll be like, what we need to do is we need to be burned out. We need to get, you know, burn things down. Blah, blah, blah. And there are these very extreme people who are out there. I've made my point. They no, exist. It's, I, and they're people who are making up these stories because you have to get to the revolution at all costs. You you have to get to that point, even if that means lying and inventing stuff to move the populace to agree to your eventual ends of the revolution where we eat the rich. So what do we have to do? Okay, we're going to make fake stories where we say that the DNC is corrupt and they're going to push them and push them and share them and people who want to believe that will share them and we end up not trusting the DNC anymore, which is one step further in their direction of eroding um, trust in democracy and then eventually mobilizing the populace to establish a communist state and then we get the Bolsheviks and then we become... Russia. Well, I two two things off of that because the the communist argument there that you know we hear so much from you know these ultra lefties you know oh well there she's a corporate shill you know and he has a bank account so we can't talk to him 
I, it reminds me of this girl who I dated years ago who, you know, we were in the midst of one of our many arguments and, and she came up with the brilliant statement. Well, it would just be so much easier if it was just you and me and there was no one else in the world. And, and you know what? Yes, that, that would be much easier. However, here in reality, where I've been living for a while, that's not going to happen. So let's just take that off the table of possible arguments, you know, and things, possible solutions. And, and let's, let's maybe focus a little more on, on the world in which we do currently live where there are other people and try and figure out how to make it work in, in this world where we are a world that I like to call reality. But going back to one of the other things you were saying there, Kat, you know, you were talking about the Bolsheviks and I think I talked about this on, on last week's episode or maybe even a couple weeks ago, but you, you recently did an episode of villains of history on Lenin Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, full disclosure, I, I edited it. So, uh, you know, Worked on it, got a little interest in there, but it was a great episode. And there were a lot of parallels between, you know, Lenin's idealism and his, his brand of communism that were similar to Bernie's, but I saw a lot more of the similarities between the followers, the Bolsheviks and the Bernie bros. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could, you could uh, talk a little bit about that. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I recorded the podcast so many weeks ago. Um, <laughs> no, there's definitely some parallels there. And a lot of it has to do with that mistrusting of the middle class. I think that is pretty key in it. You know, all, there was so much debate for most of Lenin's, you know, for, I mean, what did he live to be only like 55 or something? He, he, he wasn't, he didn't grow old. But for most of his life, up until when the revolution happened, and you know that was decades of him fighting from when he was a teen to when he, the revolution happened, there is this ongoing constant debate on the left side of politics in in Russia about you know how how much revolution is enough revolution? Is it enough if it's you know just a little bit? And he'd go, no. Because we're never going to get to where we want to go because once the middle class gets comfortable, they're not going to want more change. And so we're never going to be able to make enough change to help the people at the bottom to help all of these peasants. And, you know, I listened to that argument and it makes sense. It sounds right. But unfortunately, that also meant vilifying that middle class quite a bit and saying, no, we're not even going to listen to that middle class at all. We need to fully go for what's going to help all the peasants only. And that's what he stood for. Eventually, he won over, and it had to do with the circumstances following World War One because they were really in, in a dire situation. You know, there was hunger. They had you know fought in it, and a lot of people had died, and people were very unhappy. And so they rose up and they revolted. But it wasn't because they truly believed in Lenin's stance. It's because they were fed up with the current government that they had. And then what Lenin did is he seized power through that. He he then, you know, went the party route. So it wasn't that those peasants all said yes to Lenin's extremism. He went in and there is like, or they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to the left. And then he kind of maneuvered his way to the top. And now he's like, we're going all the way to the left. Right? And where am I going with this? I think where I'm going with this is that 
we're never going to get as far to the left as we want as long as we have everybody with a voice. Uh, because everybody didn't have a voice when they went all the way to the left in the USSR, right? He had to circumvent the voice of that middle class to get to where he was going. And ultimately, I think that's what a lot of people further to the left in America have to understand is that you've got this big middle class in the center that is always going to be your cock block to full socialism. And as long as we have democracy, you're not going to get there. Um, well, so I mean, wasn't so much it... eat the, don't eat the rich. You need to eat the middle class. And the question is, do you really want to eat the middle class? That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't well, it there's... Warren who told Bernie that she's she that they're pretty much the same, but she's a capitalist. She and that, said, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. And that was used against her as like, oh my god, she's a capitalist, and therefore she's you know worthless. Yeah, given a given a choice between having someone who's strangling me not change their grip at all and, you know, strangle me or loosen their grip and just have their hands around my neck. If I'm inclined to live, I I would go with the less grip. No one touching my neck would be the preferable choice. But if that's not on the table, the one that's going to allow me to breathe is probably the better choice to make for those who are inclined to live. I'm sorry, in this analogy, who's who? Uh, well, it's it's really it's it anything you know it okay. it it could be any system that that we find uh, oppressive, any person who we find oppressive. But the the fact of the matter is. You know, when there's a glimmer of hope, when there is a light at the end of the tunnel, you you are more inclined to to go to that light, to to grab onto that glimpse of hope, and and try and make it into something bigger. Make the light at the end of the tunnel bigger, so that you can actually get out of the hole that the light is coming in through. Yeah, yeah I, mean, well, I want to add that. Um, with Elizabeth Warren and her saying she's a capitalist, people really need to step back and look at things from the you know, forest beyond the trees. Look at it from a meta standpoint and messaging and her finding her place among the candidates. Uh, she had to understand or she did understand the history of this country and that so much of America lived through the Cold War and the people who vote the most lived through the Cold War and they have a negative connotation towards things like socialism and communism and she understood if I call myself that I will not likely win period that is the fact so you can't jump down her throat for saying I am a capitalist she was making a smart choice because right. this is the deck that we're that we've been. This is the card deck that we have. These are the cards that we have. You play with the cards you have, not the cards you wish you had. We're not Sweden. We just aren't. Yeah, yeah. And, but she and, made a good point when she was uh, letting you know letting Bernie know I'm with you, okay. And I, a lot of the things they agreed upon, she really did. I mean, she wanted to say, it, but she said, but you got like you're saying, Kat. But this is what we're. This is the cards we're dealt. Okay, let's make let's work with this. We can make this happen. I I want all those things you want. Let's make it happen. But you got to do it. Just let's follow the plan that we've have right here. Like you said, we're not Sweden. Okay, 
I'm saying with you, hey, I believe in schools being, you know, uh, for schools being paid for, medical for all. She wanted all those things. But there's a way to do it. And she wanted to also go after Wall Street. She believed in that. And well, that's the thing. Him. I mean, Capitalism, capitalism in and of itself isn't bad. It's nope. the it's the unchecked, unregulated brand of capitalism that a lot of Republicans in government are advocating for. That's the bad part. the The fact that you know capitalism is good, but like anything that's good, too much of it is not that good. Well, and- I think Dave on that on that point is. The cheating, whenever there's so much money involved, okay, there's so much cheating. It's like the, the, the people who are, you know, paying to get their kids in college, okay? When there are people out there whose kids work their butts off to get in school, but yet you, you got your daughter signed up for the polo team because you gave $500,000. That's what, it breeds a lot of jealousy, envy, and it breeds a lot of cheating, okay? On, like you said, on its face, capitalism is great we're a consumer driven society we gotta have it but people keep cheating and that's what makes it that's what makes it even harder and it keeps screwing over each other i mean that's why we need someone to watch this 2.2 trillion who's gonna watch the money when that money's divvied out we gotta have somebody we're gonna watch it all go to the rich people and to the trump properties and to the cruise lines that aren't even uh you know flying under american flags uh you know basically all all the cronies uh because Uh, what's your what's your thought on on the 2.2 trillion so actually you know funny you should ask uh for my for my job at work you know as you know i work in corporate research i was asked to read through the cares act and do an analysis of the cares act to (laughs) i am a corporate researcher to see how we can leverage it and (laughs) (laughs) a what's our slice of the pie what's our customer's slice of the pie and how can we get them to give us their stimulus money (laughs) and um i mean it that's how you. That's how capitalism works. And so I, I read through a lot of it to identify, um, at least the the business oriented ones. Now there's a lot of money that will be going to people, which is wonderful. A, a lot of money going to SNAP benefits, uh, that's great. Money going to childcare for healthcare workers, uh, awesome. Bailing out the airlines, great, 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 great. And I have to say, I give credit to them. Because they're not giving up people all this extra fat money to to give to their CEOs. There are caveats in there that say if you accept this money, even if it's a loan, even if it's a loan, not just a grant, a loan, you can't then buy back your shares or give your CEOs extra pay. Like it's it's restricted to whatever they've already been being paid. You can't give them extra raises above and beyond that. And some of this aid money comes with caveats like, okay, if you accept this this grant, uh, you can't do more than 10% of your workforce layoffs. Does that make sense? You, you have to retain 90% of your workforce to qualify for this money to help you. And some of the other ones, um, some of the tax-related ones have to do with their losses. So it's not so much giving money to companies above and beyond that they can invest in stuff. Rather, it's saying, okay, if you had losses this year, you can take those losses and write them against your last five years of taxes and then collect a tax refund against those. And what I like about that is that it's tied to losses, meaning 
it's only going to be for companies that are legitimately in trouble, not companies that are going to do great. And, and that makes me happy. I also really like that, you know, they have some money in there that can go to possible improvements, but that is specifically for the healthcare industry for the most part. And they are going to need it because they have to make these sudden investments in manufacturing capacity and in PPE for their own people who are working. They might have to automate things to make people stay out of the fact like the, the manufacturing processes need to use fewer people so that they can maximize the output without risk. Attached well, that's to what Pelosi was just saying. What you just said, that's what Pelosi's fighting for in this next <laughs> bill because she's saying that we that she was fighting. The reason why it got stopped is because of it was another $250 billion, and but she wanted it for the hospitals because they're going to have to. There's so much of, of what's going to happen with recovery to, you know, to keep these places running. You know, mm-hmm. that extra $250 billion would be there. Yeah, And there's already a lot that's going to go towards hospitals, towards healthcare providers who are losing money. Because we're not even thinking about the people who are like ENTs or um, plastic surgeons, <laughs> whatever other doctors who they're not in the fight against coronavirus, but they are out of work because they can't do anything. I was supposed to go to an ENT uh, right now for some issues I'm having. I can't go till July, but that person's wow. out of work and everyone in that office is out of work because of this. And uh, not, so now you got to go to one of those back alley ENTs, you know, with their otolaryngoscopes <laughs> and it's, it's not safe. They're going to use a coat hanger in my ear, you guys. I think. <laughs> That's all they have in back alleys is just a lot of coat hangers for all procedures. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a boon for the coat hanger manufacturers. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's who's that's really winning. Of, of what's in the bill. Uh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was I was going to say, you know, because Timon brought up, you know, that Nancy Pelosi is fighting to get money to the healthcare industry and, and directly to people. And you know, this is what happens when you vote for a corporate shill uh, like Nancy Pelosi. She's she's actually going to to work for the people because I I, I don't know. That's that's just what these corporate shills do. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Strange. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I I think <laughs> that that should end things for the week. For, for this show, it, it is a, a holiday week for three of the world's major religions. So I uh, want to first give a, a shout out to the Levy family and, and thank you to Rabbi Levy uh, for inviting me to your Zoom Seder this week. It was, it was a good time and it, it allowed me to sort of channel some of the stress cooking that I'd been doing uh, over the week into something maybe a little more uh, constructive. Like instead of just making comfort foods, and I, I tend to be observant of the holidays, so you know, the, a lot of the comfort foods that I make, not really kosher for Passover, so kind of had to stop doing that. But I made a pot roast. I basically cooked as if I was hosting a Seder for like five or six people. And uh, so my fridge, it still looks like I'm a prepper, but more of a Jewish prepper. Uh, but so shout out to them and a happy Pesach to everyone who's celebrating. Happy uh, Ramadan, happy Eid to those who are celebrating that. And uh, happy Easter to those who are celebrating in the safety of their own home uh, or wherever they're sheltered. If you're going to church, 
you're going to meet Jesus a lot sooner or you're more likely to meet him. And so if that's your goal, go to church, go breathe it in, you're, lick you're your fellow parishioners. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing just fine. I, I think I still am. Let me I think dip I my still toe am. in there. Well, on this day, on this PSA, day, we, we dip not only PSA. once, but we dip twice. <laughs> we, go on, Kat. I can throw a PSA out there, you guys. Make sure that you, if you're going to be an Easter celebrating person, just watch an uh, online service. It's there. Just do that. There's so many. Please, please just go on YouTube and look up Easter service and it'll be there. The end. You know, now is the time to really take advantage of old stuff, you know? Go on the religious version of ESPN2. You know, maybe see a Jerry T- Falwell TBN2. service from 73. <laughs> <laughs> a classic. A classic. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well go ahead and watch Reverend Ike, too. Put thy hand on the TV yeah. and send me $100 right on down there, brother. <laughs> you know, strangely enough, uh, research eventually did show that your your prayers would have exactly the same effect even if you didn't send the hundred bucks to Reverend Ike. <laughs> yeah. He was good at getting that money out of the old sisters. Yes he was. Oh yeah. Well, you know, that's that's what it's all about. Jim Baker used to sell Jesus. Now he's selling silver colloidal solution in oh, the name did, of yeah. Jesus. But you know, you you go with what works if if you're trying to make money. This is that unchecked capitalism that I was talking about earlier. Well, the FBI did also see them. They also made a call to good old Jim. They said, keep doing it. You're going to jail, amigo. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Alex Jones got a call this week uh, saying, you got to stop selling things. Trump, meanwhile, still still shilling for hydroxychloroquine because he and his, his family and his minions have invested in the company that makes it. Holy moly. Wow. Again, wow. unchecked capitalism. Beautiful thing. It's what's okay. making this country go where it's going <laughs> but uh, adam schiff did say that he is uh they there is an investigation they're they're going to investigate this whole pandemic thing so that's gonna be great yeah well hopefully you know there are some results uh speaking of all the holidays uh, happening this week i would be very remiss in my duties as a host and particularly as a son if i did not wish a very very happy and healthy birthday to my father uh, William Robinson, I will have some decorum and not uh, mention the age, but it's a big one. So, uh, Mazel Tov, glad you've stuck around. Happy birthday to my dad. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday dad. Pops. There you go. Happy birthday. So, I want to uh, I want to thank him and everybody else for listening. It's It's been a pleasure to do this, and it's been a pleasure to have you guys uh, virtually in my home, and I look forward to the day when we can do this in person again. I'm guessing nobody has any personal appearances scheduled, at least in person. But should you have anything uh, online or want people to follow you or anything like that, Cat Alvarado, should you so desire, where can people find you online in the coming days, weeks, and months? At the Cat Alvarado on Instagram and Twitter. Also, find me on YouTube. Just look Cat Alvarado. Find me there. And uh, I've been posting sketches. So watch them. They're funny character sketches. Been working real hard on those. 
Uh, so yeah, subscribe and uh, see what pops up on your feed. <laughs> right on. Good stuff. Thank you for joining us, Kat. Very, very happy to have you with us. So thank you very much. Oh, and Mr. Jim Coughlin, thank you for being here. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in person as well. Should you so desire, where can people find you online in the coming days, weeks, and months? Well, uh, com. J-I-M-C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N.com. And if you want to see me in person, just walk down Franklin, let me know, and I will look out my window. And I can see you. I'm on the north side uh, before you get to House of Pies. There you go. So uh, go visit Jim in person, but uh, be safe. Check him out online first. Probably uh, the, the safer alternative. Thank you so much for being here, Jim. Mr. Time and Ship, should you so desire, where can people find you online in the coming days, weeks, and months? Time and Ship at Facebook, Time and Ship at Instagram, and Time and Ship on Twitter. And you can get my book, My East St. Louis, on Amazon.com or my um, CD, Comedy City Universal Brother, also on Amazon and Spotify. Right on. Well, thank you for being here and check out the Villains of History podcast. Check out a little off the top of my head, the uh, Jim Coughlin comedy album, which also full disclosure, I did some editing on that. So it's, you know, it's, ah, shucks. No, I, you know, without, no, without you guys thank you so much, David, without, nah, that's, I'm not doing it for the praise without you guys doing great work. I wouldn't have anything to work on. So thank you guys for that. And uh, good to see Jim uh, combining the mask and the red nose. Uh, I think a little crazy glue might uh, might do the deal. <laughs> so thank you guys for being here. And to the listeners, I want to thank you guys so much for giving us a reason to engage in these weekly therapy sessions. If you like the show, Please tell everyone you know about it, rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to the show on, and even on the platforms where you're not listening to us, that's fine. If you didn't like the show, keep it to yourself. We won't mind. As a matter of fact, we'll love you all the more for it. So thanks to the listeners. Thanks to our wonderful panel. And we will be back next week. Hopefully you will too. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.